Ophthalmologist Dr. Strauss has seen firsthand how the Metaverse is helping surgeons practice the procedures to treat cataracts. Cataracts are the primary cause of avoidable blindness. He works with a virtual reality training platform developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International to help surgeons develop the muscle memory they need. The result? More confident, capable surgeons. And even more importantly, patients who can see. Explore more stories like Dr. Strauss's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. Time now for the College Football Inquirer with Dan Wetzel, SI's Ross Dellinger, and SI's Pat Forty. Here's Pat, Russ, and Dan. All right, welcome to the pod. Uh, we're going to start where we never want to start, but uh, we think because we're involved in... Um, Covering schools, we start way too often. That's uh, with another shooting. This one up at Michigan State on Monday. Thoughts are with everyone at the uh, at, uh, at the university and all the Spartans out there. Ariel Anderson, Alexandria Verner, Brian Frazier, uh, all passed away. Three more names to this uh, colossally. A horrible list that uh, goes down, and uh, yeah, another bad deal. But uh, they shut down athletics and really the whole campus for most of this week. We'll see if uh, at this broadcasting, I think that they will play Michigan in basketball on Saturday night, which will be a pretty um, interesting. You know, be a it'll be a very mo- moving night, including probably the first time. I certainly hope that Michigan State receives a, a thunderous uh, ovation, uh, as I would expect in Ann Arbor. But another horrible thing, we have a lot of fun with colleges. Like a lot of people like to listen because their memories of college are so generally joyous and magical and fun and all of that. And uh, we hate it when these, uh, for any number of reasons, uh, it becomes so shocking, I think, the place. That, that gets shattered because of it. And briefly, sat, uh, was it Wednesday night, they had a vigil up on campus, and Tom Izzo spoke at it and uh, was really, really good. If you haven't seen the speech, I wrote about it. You know, he, 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 he prefaced it by saying, I'm just a basketball coach, but he's been there 40 years, 28 as the head coach, uh, sent his oldest daughter to Michigan State. His, his son is at Michigan State now. You know, we make too much of these basketball, football coaches sometimes, but I I don't know anyone who exemplifies the university in a public forum more than Tom Izzo, both in this uh, spirit of like a brawling underdog and yet one that puts together nationally competitive excellence. They kind of have a dual track at Michigan State. They're always the underdog, but they're often the favorite. Not easy to pull off, but Izzo has done it. So I don't know if you saw any of that. Pat, or your any thoughts on it? But I thought Izzo was was the best of college athletics on uh, on Wednesday night by by offering some words. His main words were just meet people near each other, talk to each other, all of that, take care of each other better, and it's probably about all you'd really want out of a basketball coach. Yeah, I mean, these are the times where you find out whether your basketball coach is just a basketball coach, like he says, or is something much more than that, and he is much more than that for the university and the community and just who he is as a human being. 
by no means perfect. You can find flaws with him like the rest of us, but in a real crisis time, you know, he offered himself as a galvanizer, a rallier, a uniter, a consoler, a checker upper, if that's not a word, but so what, you know, the, the stories I've heard for the last couple of days from people affiliated with the basketball program, like Izzo and his staff have checked up on everyone all the time, like constantly. He's offered up his house for people. He's offered up, you know, anything he could do for people within the program who, you know, are scared or shocked or traumatized or depressed. And, you know, to have, I I know this as somebody who sent three kids away to college as athletes, you know, we all send our kids away to college if you have kids and, and, but mine were all athletes. And the one thing, like everybody wants the same thing from parental standpoint, are my kids going to be okay? And then you naturally look at that coach when things are not okay. Is the coach looking out for the best interests of his athletes? And, you know, we were very fortunate. The answers were always yes. And the answers at Michigan state certainly seem to be yes with Tom Izzo. Uh, the place is very, very lucky to have him as ingrained and as caring as he is there. I, I didn't get, I, I read a little bit, but I, I didn't get to see his speech. But, you know, one thing that caught me earlier in the week is when I read that, I think one and maybe two uh, of the kids impacted here, this was their second experience with a school shooting. They, one of them, I think was, was a part of a high school, school shooting in Detroit, maybe. Um, I think there were just, kids, there were kids at the school uh, not none of the none of the three who were uh, murdered uh, the one were there, the, but there at, at Oxford High School a little over a year ago mm-hmm. there was four people murdered, including we talked about uh, Tate Mir, the the uh, tight end who was getting recruited by Michigan State, uh, and Mel Tucker and all that. And Oxford's a big high school and mm-hmm. likely sends a hundred kids a year to Michigan State, like not. Uh, you know, Michigan State is full of, uh, you know, it's a huge school. And so there's likely a hundred kids or something freshmen at at Michigan State whose senior year class of 22 was ruined, you know, was impacted, uh, ruined, whatever. I mm. It went through the tragedy. I, I don't want to use the wrong words, but went went through the tragedy of a high school school shooting, then show up as a freshman here and uh, have another school shooting. So it's that oh. that's amazing, but not not the specific yeah kids if if you know just 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 for clarification but your point remains this is what these kids grow up in my kids have grown up in learning uh how to hide drills fight you know the fight i mean this is what they learn this is what they grow up with and so it's almost like it's too normal yeah it's 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 so disturbing and uh all of these things impact not just the not just the the kids that were shot or or wounded or died or not even the kids that were in the room at the time or not even only the kids that were on campus. I go back to my wife. She's from Arkansas and she's from a town like 25 minutes outside of Jonesboro where they had a school shooting a long time ago. She was in school at at uh, at her school when the other school had the had the shooting and it was I feel like it was one of the big first mm. ones and like she still talks about it and talks about how it impacted all of them the whole community and the whole state 
it's just horrifying and uh, it just keeps keeps happening and I, I just rack my brain on like why and obviously mental health is a huge part of this issue in the accessibility of weapons and those two things combined you know i think uh, produce these things it's just like why here you know you look at other countries in they look at the us uh, and probably are like what are you guys doing because they don't have really much of these mass school shootings like we seem to do multiple times a year now yeah i did when i did talk to mel tucker a year ago about tape me here or not a year last summer five months ago you know and he's a father uh and he broke down when we were talking and you know not just about how he wanted to recruit this kid he had watched him make this great play and they were recruiting him and the kid was going to come up for a visit and you know he's a guy on a list right but he'd seen him play live at oxford high school and uh and not just for that but just the I think the the frustration. I think if you listen to Izzo, you hear that frustration of just, I don't know. But I will say, um, you know, we don't dwell on this too long, but our thoughts are with everyone at Michigan State but and everywhere. But I just thought Tom, and I'm sure Mel Tucker would, would do just as well. Tom's just been there so long. Uh, the, the president of the school has been there like two months, right? So, you know, it's like this is the person they know. I just thought he was a real rallying cry for for the university and did a, did a great job. And that when he says, you know, he jokes, I cry on national TV. I wear my emotions on the sleeve. And that is Izzo. He's angry. He's happy. He's you're going to know it. What I saw, uh, I've known the guy a long time, but what you saw was just almost exasperation and just pain. Uh, I'm sure he is checking up on every kid in his program. But I also, you know, he said he was over the hospital, I think, multiple times and He's going to check up on every kid at that university because he's a parent of a kid at, a univer- at the university. At the end of the day, you know, this happened in a student union and a classroom, you know, so good for Tom Izzo. By the way, Dan, Michigan State, as we're taping the pod, just announced that they'll resume athletic events this weekend, including yeah. Saturday's game with Michigan. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, that'll be a, that'll be a scene. And uh, I guess it'd probably be better if it was at home, but I'm glad it's, in-state because i know uh you know you, you, the the kid the, the at least the in-state kids who go to michigan who have fr- uh you know friends who go to michigan state you know the two schools are just like any school any any in-state rival the reason there's a rivalry is because you know the other people so whether it's you know florida and florida state or mississippi and mississippi state it's uh it's you know there's going to be a lot of uh a lot of impact there. So that'll be a very, uh, very emotional game on, on Saturday night, but good on coach Izzo for, um, for stepping up and, and being really, uh, at his, at his absolute best in the absolute worst of times. All right. We want to get to some other stuff. Obviously the big news of the last couple of days is, uh, a hearing at the, uh, U S court of appeals for the third circuit. And they heard a, uh, Really, this was the NCA trying to get a suit brought by former Villanova player Trey Johnson and a bunch of others that are arguing that they were employees of their colleges under the uh, Fair Labor Standards Act. And uh, NCA was trying to get the case dismissed. So this really isn't the decision. But uh, based on the uh, reports from from the uh, hearing, this thing isn't getting 
is not getting uh, dismissed. And the three-judge panel was uh, suspicious, if not uh, hostile, to the arguments of uh, the NCA and attorney Stephen Katz. Uh, They uh, went through every argument you've already heard, basically saying that uh, uh, how in the world are these guys not employees of your university? And so, you know, we'll see where this goes when it becomes the, the real trial. But this is the this is the big one for college athletics and, and the change of college athletics. I, uh, for one, obviously, am not moved by the idea that NIL is this horrible, horrible thing. But I do think if we go to employees, uh, we're going to have uh, a significant change in the way things are done or the way this whole th- this whole operation works. And it was always the third rail that the colleges should have been seeing down the line and saying, how do we give a little to stop that? I'm not going to say it's going to end college athletics or anything like that. But if I was college athletics, I would be uh, trying to avoid this. If you're purely selfish, not what's right or what's wrong. But if I'm an AD, I'm saying, I don't want that. So why don't I give a little? They went the other way and tried to give nothing. And now here they are getting roasted by judges. But Pat, did you follow this yesterday, the, the court hearing, and what was your take? A little bit, since, as you said, this is still in preliminary in nature, so we haven't gotten to the to the real show, but it does appear likely that we are going to have a real show. <laughs> you know, this is, the NCAA in court is like UMass on the football field. Their record sucks. <laughs> I mean, they, they get their ass kicked constantly in court, and this looks like another, it sounded like another ass kicking, at least in the whether or not this is going to be dismissed. Uh, you know, they, to your point, Dan, obviously, yes, they, they set out with a very hard line. The hard line was removed and they haven't been able to figure out where to redraw the line. That's going to keep them from a complete and fundamental overhauling of, of everything that they do. And so, you know, they, they're going to chalk up more millions of dollars in legal fees as this thing presumably goes to an actual trial and uh and then we'll see if it does completely alter the player coach or player school relationship and it becomes employer employee to the best of my knowledge this is just like setting a minimum wage right so this would not like i i don't know the full financial ramifications ross might have more information on that but Nevertheless, if you go down that road and you've got employer, employee, union, collective bargaining, all those sorts of things, who knows what this thing ends up looking like? Well, this is one of the wolves, um, you could say, attacking the NCAA. I, I like to, uh, I think I've used the analogy on here before of the NCAA is the sheep and there are about five, <laughs> there's a pack of wolves closing in on said sheep. And uh, this is one of them the the Johnson case over athlete employment. And it's not the only employment, you know, issue coming at the NCAA. There's another wolf called the NLRB and they're they um will almost certainly rule themselves that athletes are employees. And that will go through an appeals process. So we're a couple of years away probably or at least a year and a half away from something coming there. We're probably several weeks 
uh, away from maybe a ruling here, which, as Dan said, the ruling is going to be quite clear. They're not they're not going to dismiss the case. So that will so then that will you know we'll have a we'll have a, a court battle. And not just a hearing. These were just hearing and oral arguments to try to dismiss the case. So we'll have a full-length court battle, which could last many months. And then there will be appeals, which will last more months. So like I was talking to somebody just just yesterday who knows a lot about this stuff and said, we're at least two years away from all of these wolves. <laughs> Finally getting the sheep. Another wolf, of course, we talked about in the show before, is out there in California, the revenue sharing bill and, and revenue sharing in general. But I, I was struck yesterday at these oral, oral during the, the hearing, uh, these oral arguments, at the NCAA attorneys, who at some point were asked by the judges, if an athlete gets cut from a team or dismissed in some way, do they continue to keep their scholarship? And the attorneys said, we can't answer that. We don't know the scholarship rules. <laughs> this is the lawyer of the NCAA. So that that's a real problem. And and that just doesn't bode well for going forward here. And, and you're right, Pat, I think, I believe it is just minimum wage that they would earn. You know, college athletes would, would be, would have to be, would, would be required to make earn minimum wage. You know, all of these wolves closing in, the biggest one actually might be one we haven't even talked about. It's actually out in California. It's the house case too. And that one is not about employment. That's about retroactive NIL, which could cost and bankrupt the NCAA. So a lot going on, but this one's just a very little step on a long, long journey (laughs) of multiple paths into the end of the, at the end of the path of, at the end of all these paths is a bloody sheep, almost, almost (laughs) certainly. <laughs> Lamb kebabs. There we go. That's right. Yes. I'll I'll just give a little from uh Michael McCann's Sportico and just this is what they're up against. Again, this isn't the rule. This was the NCA trying to get a case dismissed. So the ruling is can this go forward? You know, we'll see. But a question about why the NCA is comfortable with athletes at service academies being paid. Katz, the NCA lawyer, parried the question by saying all students at the academies are paid, but the court found it more important the NCA is comfortable with the athletes being paid. Again, it's you know, it's mm. these it's these contradictions. Like, well, yeah. we can't have athletes get paid. What about the kids at Army? So you can make the argument, well, that's different, but the judges aren't hearing it. I would argue it's different because it is. Right. I yeah. Actually, I'm, I'm sympathetic to the NCA's argument here. What do you want us to do? Right. Kick Army and Navy and Air Force out? <laughs> yeah. Right. Because that's what we have to do. Or do we honor these kids and say, hey, look, compete. You're also serving our country and we're proud of you. But this is what the judges are looking at. Right. So I, I think that's a that's a that's a garbage argument by the judges. But, hey, this is where they're at. Katz argued the NIL is irrelevant since the source of NIL payments is not the school, but instead a third party. He an- analogized it to a college athlete with a large family trust fund. The athlete would not be an employee of the school by virtue of his or her wealth. However, the attorney for the other side uh, and found, I guess, a compelling, uh, sympathetic ear. It's not reasonable to believe colleges are not involved in NIL. Well, it's <laughs> Yeah, kind of. <laughs> it isn't really. <laughs> the panel repeatedly stressed that college athletes are under a level of control, not fi- faced by their classmates. They reference how athletes can't pursue certain areas of study because of conflicts with their ac- athletic schedule. 
Again, they kind of can, but in practicality, they can't. They mentioned that a student can hire an agent for professional music or arts, but an athlete cannot. I think they can. I don't know. They but, can uh, now. Yeah, but. They can now. They even noted that college students in many states can lawfully bet on sports where their athlete classmates are forbidden from doing so. <laughs> Again, I kind of i am on the NCAA side on that yeah, one. Yeah, However, yeah. this is what the judges are going after. I mean, these mm-hmm. judges are way to the extreme. Like, I don't know if we really want the athletes betting on the games. <laughs> like, <laughs> Right? Uh, Look, I don't want to kick the NFL bands a, Calvin Ridley. A, yeah, know? that's a pretty easy one to see the problems that would end the issues think. with that that uh, would exist. And I agree, Dan. Like, in fact, I think if you took a poll of college athletes right now, do you want to be employers uh, or employees of your school? It would probably come back with a pretty ma- a majority to say that says no, because that would come with being able to get fired. No transfers, locked into a contract. Right. Uh, Maybe, uh, you know, obviously taxes. What happens to a scholarship? Do you even get scholarship money? What happens to all these other things? You just get minimum wage. So I'll be honest, I, you know, for the vast majority of athletes, for the vast majority of maybe America would probably say this might not be a great idea. But, you know, here we are. It doesn't matter. Right. This is the problem. Here's the uh, here's another panel said the experience for athletes is different in regard to revenue generation for the school. So these are the judges saying, and they they said, no one would pay to watch a student go to the library to study for a midterm, whereas the athletes help generate billion-dollar TV contracts because people want to watch them play. Okay, I don't, I just don't see the relevance there. And also, you don't know what people will pay to watch somebody do. We, you can, I mean, we can go all different directions on this, but you can go on. I didn't think people would have YouTube channels where their four year old opens gifts, <laughs> plays with toys. We have, we have professional slap fighting now. And Lord knows what happens on OnlyFans, but there might be somebody studying. <laughs> maybe, so, but. Yeah, Maybe not. I, I, I find this argument to be bogus, but this is what the judges are going with. I mean, they are right. crushing the NCA on stuff that I think the NCA has got a point on. All I'm yeah. saying is that this is their opinions. This is what they're killing them on. They don't stand a chance in this fight. Yeah, this one, the, the, the predisposition seems very strong against the NCAA and any of their arguments. That's for sure. I don't think you can determine what people would. No one would pay. People are paying to watch it. Pretty much everything, Judge. Pretty much everything. We could probably charge a nickel or two to listen to this podcast, and I would I assume don't know. <laughs> no one would it. possibly want that. <laughs> anyway, let's leave it at that. So, good luck, NCA. Really should have yeah. should have come up with a compromise sooner. That hard line approach, though. We're gonna go D three. Said. Jim Delaney and Jim Delaney, yeah. William Christopher Sweeney was going to quit. And a lot mm-hmm. of stuff was going to happen that didn't happen. And now here you go. Mm-hmm. And now they're scrambling. You know, now, now they have all these wolves closing in and they're trying their best to scramble to placate the wolves in some way. And it just, you know, um, it starts, obviously, we've talked about it before here. It starts with Congress. Every proposal from the NCAA has specifically has two things in it. Every proposal to Congress. It's antitrust protection, what they're almost certainly not going to get. 
and it is prohibiting athletes of being employees. And actually, surprisingly enough, that California bill, that revenue sharing bill actually does have in there uh, a prohibition for athletes to be employees. So I don't know what that would mean. If that passes, if a congressional bill passes with a prohibiting athletes being employees, I don't know what that means when it comes to these court cases and the NLRB. I, you know, I, I'm not smart enough to understand what happens. I don't know. They need to figure out a way to negotiate whether it's a non-employee union, can such a thing exist? Or I, I, I don't know. They got to figure out something because, again, when you're when you have judges arguing that the problem you have here is you prohibit some of your students from gambling on the games they are in, <laughs> and the future leadership of the United States Navy is getting a stipend when they're suspicious of those things. Oh, boy. <laughs> All right. Ohio State. Buckeyes. Canceled the home and home series with Washington. It was supposed to go 2024 and 2025. Buckeyes will hand out a half a million. Just peel that off to the uh, Huskies. It's a slippery noodle fun for Washington. <laughs> it's <laughs> yeah. pretty good. That's, half a million you get a lot up. more drinks for that than the NCAA funds. You can you do know? pretty well. Even it, 5,000 500,000. Seattle's expensive town. Those will get is. those craft cocktails up there. It could really go get them. But obviously 2024 is the start of the new Big Ten. So this is a casualty of that. And I'm guessing Ohio State has either seen the tea leaves or fully expects that they're going to end up with a current member of the Pac-12 as a as an opponent that year, probably USC. If I'm the Big Ten, I'm starting with a USC-Ohio State game right off the bat, pretty early in this thing. I'm flexing. I'm yeah. not just letting that one ease into the night. Right. I'm coming strong with Buckeyes Trojans. So um, Ohio State's out. They want to add an, a, a, an extra home game. I don't know, Pat, what are your thoughts on the uh, loss of the Washington-Ohio State series, which would have been pretty fun? Yeah, uh, well, the other thing I suspect is at play here is if Michigan can drop their Power 5 non-conference opponent, so can we. Because yep. we have seen Michigan now dump series with UCLA and Virginia Tech and go this past season and this next season with nine league games and three cupcakes. And it worked out pretty well last year for Michigan. So I wouldn't be shocked if Ohio State said, well, yeah, why are we playing a harder schedule than them, given the amount of obsession both those schools have with each other? Also, yeah, okay, we don't want to make two trips west in one year. You know, it's not like it's the biggest hardship on earth, but that's probably a factor here as well. But I, again, we, you know, we talked last week, uh, or maybe it was earlier this week, about if the SEC goes to nine games and what gets lost, what gets dumped out, and I think we're seeing the Big Ten saying, if, if if for as long as we can get away with playing, some people in the Big Ten, playing nine Power Five opponents and all of them are in our league, that's all we'll do instead of playing ten. So I, I, I found that an interesting stance from Ohio State, especially perhaps as it relates to Michigan. Uh, let me jump in before just – for you, Ross, before you, uh, before I go to you, Ross. So Ohio State's at Notre Dame this year. 2024, uh, their non-conference is now Southern Miss and Western Michigan. Or is it Southern Michigan and Western Miss? I don't know. Does it matter? <laughs> Western Miss. 
Was <laughs> Western Miss? I don't know. Um, it's a little so early to be drinking, Dan. I don't know. That's a, that's a bad joke, man. I'm trying. Uh, but in 2025, Texas shows up and uh, UConn. So mm-hmm. they were going to play Texas and Washington. Okay. All right. Uh, in 2025. Now, 2025, 26, there's Texas and at Texas is 26. 27 and 28 is Alabama shows up at the horseshoe. And then they go to Tuscaloosa in 28. Nothing is in 29. They have zero games scheduled. Maybe they'll just take the year off. I don't know what they're doing. 30 and 31 is at Georgia and then a return to Georgia. And then they're at Oregon and or and home against Oregon, 32 and 33. And for all the eight-year-olds out there, you can get excited for this game your junior year or something. Boston College visits in 35-30, and uh, they have a little series. Michigan, for its part, and this is how Texas is going to get out of these games. 2024, they play Texas as well at home. That's the thing. What happens to those games? So Texas is going to go into the SEC, play potentially nine games, and have a trip to Michigan and Ohio State at home. Like, let's no. go, Arch Manning. <laughs> Love no it. No way. One of those, yeah, one of those games is, is, yeah, one of those games is going to be bailed out. And you wonder if both of those games are going to be bailed out. I'm not saying that will happen, but I the SEC not. has a rule of one Power Five non conference game that everybody has to play. And they're one, you know, a lot of officials are wondering will that rule go away if they move to nine conference games? I hope not because I think it'd be great for every Power Five to play 10 Power Five games. So hopefully that'll stay in. But I would I would be shocked if um, if any SEC team plays 11 Power Five games. But some of these schools have the ACC rivalry games, and you wonder here and there you might have an SEC team because of those ACC annual rivalry games play 11, which would be wild. So Texas has got the... They're in, they're they're dealing with Michigan twenty four and twenty seven, Oklahoma is twenty five and twenty six, uh, and then Washington Notre Dame come on back for the uh, this whatever this is we're, we're not dealing with the thirties twenty thirty four at Michigan at Notre Dame, Texas so Texas I'm going through this is fbschedules.com, which is a great website by the way, so, yeah so Texas yeah so oh no they do not play ohio state in 2024 they're only at michigan i'm sorry okay. i got confused yeah. okay. i didn't think ohio state played them ohio so michigan okay this is the texas schedule now i'm getting myself confused so i'm sure the listeners like please please stop <laughs> yeah texas plays call they play at alabama this year uh, but then they got Colorado State home at Michigan will be their they will be their power five to start that year. That's a, it's awesome. And then at Ohio State in 2025 is their game. And then uh, they they get Ohio State at home in 26 and they get Michigan at home in 27. They also have a home and home with Georgia in 28, 29 and Florida after that. Obviously, those will go away. Uh, and then they have Arizona State in the 30s. So. Texas is not does not play both both Big Ten teams, but anyway, we'll see. Hopefully, these things don't go away. The, the, we will lose some intra regional non con games, but what we will gain are playoff games, and there ain't no yeah. ducking those. Right, right. No, can't, can't getting, buy your way out of that one. No, I, I I would still I would love to see 
continued good non-conference games, but we will have a better postseason for sure. The best place to see stars is at home with Prime Video. Get everything included with Prime, like Mr. and Mrs. Smith starring Donald Glover and Maya Erskine. Rent or buy hits like Mean Girls starring Renee Rapp. Or add on channels like Max for Curb Your Enthusiasm with Larry David. You've never seen so many stars in one place. Prime Video. Find your happy place. Restrictions apply. Prime membership not required to rent or buy. Prime membership required for add-on subscriptions. See Amazon.com slash Amazon Prime for details. All right, offensive coordinator news. Always fun this time of year. This is the offensive-defensive coordinator time. Then when we get to strength coach, that's when I bail out. (laughs) Strength coach. He's the one who really knows how to lift weights. Last year, we barely did even push-ups or calisthenics. <laughs> it's amazing how many, how many times people say, oh, the, the strength coach is the rock of our program, and then he leaves and goes, well, we need to really upgrade our strength program. We got a much better system now. We, yeah. we, we yeah. lift weights and, and, yeah, more squats, more squats. <laughs> anyway, Todd Munkin is leaving the Georgia Bulldogs. He's heading to the Baltimore Ravens. Ross, thoughts? Yeah, not I guess not too surprising. Yeah, I think Georgia was ready, right? They had Mike hired Mike Bobo last year as an analyst, former Georgia offensive coordinator and player, and within minutes, you know, announced that he would be promoted to offensive coordinator. So Mike Bobo back to the probably chagrin of many Georgia fans looking back on his previous stint there. But Munkin was uh, you know, obviously one of the hottest names. In, in college sports right now as, as coordinator. And he was tossed around a little bit for some for some head jobs and didn't either didn't get them or because of the way Georgia's season went so deep, didn't get the opportunity to um to interview realistically interview for, for some of these jobs. And so instead he heads back to Pro Ball, which we're seeing a lot of uh college coaches heading to the NFL because they don't want to deal with the 24 7 365 aspect of recruiting i don't know that's if that's why he did that um because there's a suspicion that he always wanted to get back in the nfl and wants to be an nfl head coach so this is certainly a path to that yeah the uh you know from what i'd heard i mean georgia was absolutely going to pay him like a sultan for a coordinator two and a half million maybe even up to three and he just wanted to get back to the NFL. And I thought this was, you know, working for the Ravens is a good opportunity. That is a really well-run franchise. I agree that I, I, I was a little bit surprised he didn't get in the head coaching mix. But the calendar, since since the, we have such a screwed-up college calendar, and my God, if you're wear, wedded to a team in the playoffs that's made the playoff, you're, you're basically out of contention for jobs. Unlike in the NFL, where, like, the entire Eagles staff now is going and getting jobs. Uh, because they actually have a competent system of of interviewing and hiring coaches. Anyway, I think it's a big loss for Georgia. I was so impressed with how Munkin handled, especially this last year, offensively. They were really creative. They maximized their guys. They had tight ends running the ball. They had receivers split out. They did just all kinds of really good stuff. And you know, we'll see if Mike Bobo, you know, maybe he's modernized himself a little bit. I didn't think he was a great offensive coordinator when he was there the first time. So maybe he's learned a little bit in this last year and can kind of pick up where, where Munkin left off. But between losing Stetson Bennett and losing Todd Munkin, that offense could well take a, a significant step back. 
It's amazing the system colleges employ, and you, I don't know that they'd be any better at hiring coaches if they actually took their time and looked at the whole, you know, didn't like jam themselves under this, like, we must do this in 48 hours in secrecy. Mm -hmm. Maybe they would, maybe they wouldn't. I mean, the NFL makes tons of bad decisions too. Cruton, Cruton, signing day. I know the system's mm -hmm. crazy, but I mean, this is talk about inefficiency. They're signing these guys to gazillion dollar contracts. And they're like, well, we couldn't actually interview all the people because we couldn't, you know, right? Like the, the, the timing <laughs> right. is completely it's inefficient. It's ridiculous. We couldn't wait. Yeah, mm -hmm. get your get your recruiting signing day moved mm -hmm. instead of sitting there saying, hey, I'd like to talk to the Georgia offensive coordinator, but. <laughs> yeah, we'd like to do that. But instead, well, we had to go hire Troy, Troy Dilf Trent Dilfer now. Like, right. I, I, yeah, I don't know. Right. So it's just like it's this crazy system. Well, go ahead, Ross. Did you have something? To say? Well, no, I was going to say like, and one of the biggest examples of that at, at a premier school was what happened, I guess, a, around a year and a half ago now, when Notre Dame made their decision. You know, a lot of people thought that that they would go after like a Luke Fickle, and he was coaching in the Couldn't playoff, wait. and yeah. so they mm -hmm. they hired an assistant, Marcus Freeman, it, and you know, I mean, they may have done that anyway, but it, there was a pretty strong suspicion that the way it unfolded was because. Luke Fickle was playing in uh, in the champion in the uh, playoff in uh, you know wouldn't basically wouldn't field calls wouldn't talk to them while his team was in the playoff and that happens all the time coaches are hired because of timing as they say timing is everything especially in college football when you have so much crap wedged into this six week or so stretch with the transfer portal and the early signing day and all that yeah it's a it's this is their system but yeah we'll see who knows who does better but uh just a bizarro system where like the notre dame coach notre dame opens and they can't wait three weeks to talk to the guy who's the you know made a historic season down the road at the same school you hired the last coach speaking of notre dame they have a new yes. offensive coordinator garrett parker is that it jared 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 parker. okay mm-hmm G-E-R-A-D, Jared Parker. He was the tight end coach. Uh, did a great job with the tight ends. Helps when you got those tight ends. But um, he was a tight end coach at Notre Dame. Uh, he has been promoted. I have absolutely no idea if any of these people would have been good or bad here. Uh, the interesting part is they tried to, they talked to Colin Klein at Kansas State. who was a great quarterback at K-State back in the day. And then they tried to get Andy Ludwig from uh, Utah, but that didn't work out. And there's lots of Notre Dame fans who are are fired up. Did you know? Are, are we committed? Do we have enough money? All this different stuff. I actually had someone try to trade me. There's a, a UFO source tried to trade me UFO information <laughs> if I could help Notre Dame land a proper offensive coordinator. I'm not going to speak on who my sources are. You know who you are. You are listening. What do you want me to do? Do you trust an anonymous UFO source? I don't know. Should I? Should I not? I need the info, though. So I, I would try to help the Irish simply be to help humanity find out more about the UFOs. Well, yeah. But I mean, you I, kind of owe it to the human race. This is, I, yeah. So this is more important than, than like journalistic ethics helping the hiring process of the Irish, which would be a no-no, would be not journalistically ethical, but I need to find out. So you yeah. who are trying to trade this information, I have, a, you know, I got issues with you. All right. We're going to leave it at that. I, <laughs> you know how to contact me anyway. 
What's up with Notre Dame? They don't got enough money, Pat? What the hell? It's auction off one of those fancy buildings they got. Let's get a, let's get yeah. a proper offensive coordinator. Well, I mean, Notre Dame's a Catholic school. Catholic schools are notoriously cheap. You know, they don't. Not uh, that they, one. Well, no. <laughs> yeah. The most famous building on campus is is is, is roofed in gold. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's, look. Notre Dame does not throw around money, athletically or otherwise, the way some other schools do. They don't. That's that's not been their modus operandi. Maybe it should have changed here. Maybe it will change. They came off looking cheap and, uh, you know, sometimes cheap fits. So, you know, we'll see how Jared Parker works out. He's, he's a boy, an, an Eastern Kentucky boy from deep in Appalachia, from oh, Louisiana, Louisa. Oh Pat yeah, already I, likes him. Here I've we go. I've known about Jared Parker. <laughs> I was wondering if you covered him. He played at Kentucky, right under Hal. Did he play under Hal? He did play. He was. He was. He got there at the end of Hal, oh. and uh, was there afterwards with Guy Morris. And yeah, yeah. So like, he's this is this is air raid sort of uh, trickle down. He's he's got you know great personality, very folksy, very friendly, good recruiter. We'll see how he is as a play caller. Uh, we'll see what it looks like Can he if keep- it's going to look. Can he keep C.J. Carr in the fold? That's the big question. That is a big question. C.J. Carr loved Tommy Reese. I, mm-hmm. I can't imagine C.J. Carr bails out of Notre Dame. but Yeah. But trying that, to invent well, some excitement. Hey, this is always, look, with the quarterback roulette, it's always a case. They, they might always be one coordinator change away from leaving to dropping a commitment and going somewhere else. So, but no, it's look, it, Notre Dame comes off looking cheap, and maybe that's what Notre Dame is in this instance. I mean, I'm not saying they're like flat out skin flints, but they're also not going to pay or, you know, throw around buyout money the way an SEC power would or probably Ohio State or some others. But what what happened here? I'm, I'm just scratching my head. Why was there a communication breakdown, you know, from uh, because they had to know, right, about his buyout when he – you would think they knew about his buyout when he came and visited. He visited, he interviewed on campus. He went to a basketball game, publicly went to an event, was photographed and videoed and all that stuff. And then all of a sudden, it, it, it's almost like they didn't know or didn't know the specifics of the buyout. Very, very odd. I mean, it's it's fairly normal for teams not to pay buyouts and to to strike candidates because of that off the list. They don't bring them in. And interview them, and then strike them off the list because of buyouts. I think you would have worked this out beforehand. I don't know. It's cloaked in mystery. It's cloaked in mystery. Yeah, it'd be the first thing you'd say, right? Uh, yeah, yeah. Right. All this like, money. Yeah. How much was the buyout? Yeah. Do we know? Uh, two, two million. Two point eight. Two point eight. I believe. Oh, two point eight. Wow. I think. Wow. It's a yeah, big it's buyout a for a coordinator. Why did he agree to that? I don't know. It's a big number for uh, for a coordinator for sure, but well, you know, beautiful views up there in Salt Lake. Pac-12 coming through, yeah. keeping their guy. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. That's uh, anyway. I, I I think Notre Dame will be okay. I think Notre Dame will be okay. Nobody knows. It's just funny. Like the names, you know, the name comes and everyone's all excited. Here we go. Now we got to get right. that guy. Right. It's like I recruiting, mean, I- right? Once a guy's on the list, it's like, we got to have him. And then the kid com- decommits and it's like, ah, oh, he's a jerk. <laughs> right. Uh, that, I mean, I, I seem to remember actually some grumbling about Andy Ludwig at first when he got to, to Utah. No, 
No, they can't live without everybody. Him. It's like the backup quarterback, right? Everyone wants the backup yeah, quarterback. Right, right. You don't um, you don't know how much know. you dislike them until you've they, seen their work. They grumbled about Tommy Reese and then and then yeah. and then uh, Alabama hired him. So mm-hmm. uh, we do not know. All right. We wanted to get to this this story. It's college basketball, but it it, it relates to all of college sports. Actually, two, and maybe they maybe they become related. Although I I will posit a, a devil's advocate question: Don't shoot the messenger, don't shoot your humble podcast host. New Mexico State shut down their program basketball, men's basketball, after a uh, hazing incident. Amazing! I got they ne- they never shut down programs in the middle of the season. Good move, Pat, or is that like throwing the baby out with the bathwater? Is it fair to the kids that weren't part of this thing? Like, what what do you think? Well. I mean, considering the murder that happened in November, they were kind of playing under a bit of a cloud and maybe perhaps a zero tolerance situation. I don't know. You could consider that maybe if you I don't had know if a those player, are related. Well, they're all related. Those are they're, those are not really are they related though? They are and, not and the murder was a self-defense shooting. Okay, yes, the murder was a self-defense shooting. At 3 a.m. before you're playing New Mexico in a game on the New Mexico campus because your player took a weapon with him on the road trip and skipped out on curfew, as did three of his teammates, who then went and picked him up after the shooting and took the weapon and his iPad and his phone and hid them for him. And then when the cops came to ask, where's the stuff? Everybody's like, I don't know. I don't know. Well, then it turns out the gun is in the possession of an assistant coach. The phone is in possession of an assistant athletic director and the iPad's in possession of another assistant coach. And they left town while all this was going on. And somehow or another, everybody on the coaching staff kept their job through that and none of the players got suspended. Then you have this hazing thing come up. So, okay, no, the hazing thing is not the most heinous thing here. But if you would think... We need to be like as pristine as we can possibly be because we are under the microscope after one of our teammates shot and killed somebody. This really is a pretty bad move. And so the coaching staff that's like, oh, geez, I'm complicit in, in moving around evidence from a murder and, you know, apparently blithely unaware of this or whatever, they all need to go get the athletic director out too, clean house at New Mexico State. I, I can't argue with the case there. <laughs> me, neither. No. No. me neither. Well said. Well said, Pat. Well said. I mean, I don't know. Is it the AD's fault? I, you know, I mean, whatever. They hired Greg Heyer, who was. Did, did you see his curriculum vitae? Greg Heyer. Maybe Heyer, maybe Heyer. Anyway, H-E-I-A-R. whatever. He's gone. Yeah. He's gone. Before working, before getting this job, he was a JUCO head coach. But before that, he worked for Will Wade at LSU. Yeah, LSU. He worked yeah. for Greg Marshall at Wichita State. And he worked for Larry Eustachie. Three guys who were <laughs> fired four different times <laughs> for off-court stuff. Fired or forced to resign. That is Dude quite came by it, the you know. threesome there. Those are his wow. mentors. He's seen a few things. He's seen a few things. <laughs> yeah. Probably done a few things as well. Mm-hmm. You Stacy Marshall Wade. Yeah. Yeah. 
It's a family tree. That's a coaching tree. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, Here's I what think he says when he goes in with a resume like that. Look who I've worked for. Here are Apparently, my Apparently, got him hired in Las Cruces. Yeah, there I don't you know. Go. Well, you look at it. He'd be like, I've, I've seen everything. I can handle yeah, it. Yeah, right. And obviously, I've done it all. Then, then two new things came up. We don't normally. All right. Yeah, New Mexico right. State done. All right. We'll scrap that. <laughs> Try again next year. I mean, it's a proud program, and it just yeah, no, it's really been an incredibly successful. Chris Jans had him going, program. so it's yeah, it's a sad won an deal, NCAA though. tournament game last year. Yeah, yeah, it fell apart in a hurry. All right, the other bit in college basketball right now is Chris Beard, the Texas football, uh, Texas basketball coach, who was arrested and charged with felony domestic violence, a felony charge, a felony domestic charge violence case back in, I think, December after his uh, girlfriend called 911. She later recanted that, uh, said it was not as bad as it seemed. And just this week, the district attorney in uh, Travis County, where Austin is located, said that after reviewing the evidence and considering the wishes of uh, Randy True, Beard's fiance, the charge of assault by strangulation, suffocation, family violence could not be proven beyond a reasonable doubt. And the felony charge is dropped. So everyone immediately started, <laughs> you know, okay, it could be the Ohio State coach, it could be, it could be yep. this coach. Chris Beard's a hell of a basketball coach. Can Chris Beard get a job or, or is it too much? And I, I don't know the answer to it, and I'm not advocating one way or the other. It's just, yeah, it's, it's an amazing spin in two months. Yeah, it is. I mean, he's not going to be, he's not facing any charges. He can't right. now prove his innocence. No. So in some way, I don't know if that's better or worse, but he's not being charged. He's totally out of legal damage. And uh, his fiance has retracted the the thing and said it wasn't, wasn't right, but he's out of a job, and I don't know. I mean, does somebody take a shot at him, or does he have to go somewhere? I don't know what he does. Well, I I did just quickly look at the uh, Rupp Rafters uh, message boards, hmm. and there is certainly a Chris Beard thread there. <laughs> so <laughs> uh, the fans though, are, are are ready for Chris Beard all over oh, the country. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. 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 So I, you know, this will be a situation where. Some some AD who really needs a winning coach and has built up enough cachet and can get his president to sign off on it will probably be able to hire Chris Beard. You know, I, should he or should he not? I don't know, but I think I, it would not shock me now. Given that, I I still would have I would have great hesitation at reservation if it were me, but some places won't. Yeah, I'm I'm sure that uh, he will end up being the head coach next year of a division one men's basketball program. Like Pat said, I don't know exactly where that is. Um, and there's a sense that maybe he'd have to take like a year off or something, or just because of the cycle, maybe you don't have one of those ADs or coaches that are looking for a coach this year that would hire him, but they're out there. And because of his track record, um, I'm sure we'll see him back on the bench. We've seen this show before plenty of times. I will say, for for the record, there are many people on the Rupp Rafters uh, message board saying, no, don't hire him. So uh, it's not necessarily a universal acclamation, come to Lexington, Chris Beard, <laughs> for accuracy. accuracy. 
Yeah, I'm not sure that the uh, yeah the fan boards are always the uh, best uh, best of our moral judgments <laughs> out there. One other kind of funny, uh, sort of basketball, football related story. Uh, a little more interesting than the last. Uh, this has been a real uplifting podcast. <laughs> you bring the light into your life. Yeah. Do we- so in the off season, last off season. Uh, C.J. Stroud, the Ohio State quarterback, claimed that the football team was so good at basketball they could beat the Ohio State basketball team in a game. <laughs> and it was kind of uh, playful. Well, it got brought up on Twitter, and uh, it got Dewand Jones, who's an offensive tackle for Ohio State, saw it getting mentioned and said, we still can. This was after uh, Ohio State hmm. lost 62 to 41 to Michigan State. Uh, not a good Buckeye season going down. Very bad. Could the Ohio State football team beat the Ohio State basketball team in a game of basketball? Pat. No. And, and, and I, <laughs> I, I will be the well actually guy here and say, well, you know, a, mo- a lot of the guys who were doing this chirping are headed to the NFL, and there ain't no way they're going to lace up and play in a basketball game now. But even if they did, no, I hate to tell them they would they would lose, even to the worst Ohio State team in several years. So sounds good to say. Go ahead and pop off on the uh, on Twitter or elsewhere on social media, but no, you are not beating – the basketball team is not beating the football team. Pat would have more uh, expertise on this issue. I'm just shocked at um... – at uh, Ohio State's record, I had no idea that they were having such a horrendous season, three and eleven in conference. Wow, what is going on there? Maybe they'll need a need a coach at the end of the year, huh? Yeah, no yeah. one was saying this when Mike Conley and Greg Oden were there. <laughs> uh, <laughs> they didn't want that smoke. This is, reminds me of when people go, "Well, Alabama could beat like you know whoever the worst team in the NFL right. was, you know the Jets this year." No, they can't. Texas. They're like, "Look, at, we got they got like twenty guys that are going to play in the NFL on their team." It's like all the guys in the Jets play in the <laughs> NFL. <laughs> yeah. So it's not yeah. not happening. Or you know this uh, right, a women's basketball team can beat the worst men's basketball. No, they're not. Uh, that's not going to happen. So um, I actually have more respect if the basketball team was willing to play the football team in football. Is that <laughs> then you'd really be putting your, you know, let's go. Anyway, real uh seems to be a breakdown of congeniality at uh, the Ohio State Athletic Department when you're getting Everybody's ganging your, up on the poor basketball poor team. Poor basketball man. team. Right. I mean, jeez. Hey, all right. We're not that good, but you guys don't have to jump in on this. Yeah. Um, right. <laughs> all right, serious issue here. We got an from, alien update. Uh, I don't have I, – I, I, will, I will have – I'm going to get to the bo- – my alien okay. source is going to come through. My okay. alien source is really – I'm not happy with he, with he or yeah. she right now. Uh, we're gonna, I have a source, and I'm going to get to it. <laughs> okay. But until then, I don't want to give false information. Okay. But right. I'm going to find out what's up with this, this, weird, this weird situation with all these aliens. So – but I, just, I will be back. I'm, I am more focused on this than any part of my actual job. Good. I mean, we've established ourselves as the go-to podcast for football and alien news. So yeah, and then uh, I got I got a, a source, and they're, they're playing games with me. Playing games. Okay. This is too important. <laughs> Speaking of important, there is panic in England over uh, the coming Easter holiday because a man 
named Jobby Pool. This is such an English name. Jobby Pool. <laughs> is this uh, the Daily Mail? Yeah, of course. The Daily Mail was all over this stuff. <laughs> oh, I, I was at the Super Bowl and I met a guy from England who covers NFL. And listens yeah. to the pod. He came over to say hello, and he's like, "It's like the Daily Mail." I'm like, "Yes, I love you guys." <laughs> <laughs> we spend more time talking about the Daily Mail than the actual Super Bowl. Um, anyway, a man, uh, Jobby Pool, he stole two hundred thousand Cadbury cream eggs. He stole them. He stole them. He was caught by police, quote, surrounded by a mountain of foil wrapped chocolate. <laughs> <laughs> so he is uh he stole a trailer containing the the cadbury cream eggs you're familiar with those things they're kind of gross oh, to yeah. me but mm. whatever uh from an industrial unit in telford he has been uh arrested and already i i guess they convicted him very quickly in some kind of quick court earlier the bbc said they reported that the police were uh, when they found out that the 200,000 eggs were lost, were hunting for someone, quote, presumably purporting to be the Easter Bunny. <laughs> so they're having fun with this. But it was not, the prosecutor says, it's not a spur-of-the-moment thing, it, uh, significant planning. I had no idea there was, A, a black market out there for Cadbury <laughs> cream eggs. <laughs> but the panic was, that with all of these cream eggs gone out of the market, that there would be a shortage yeah, of the Cadbury cream eggs. Yeah. You know, man, that's that's hitting people where it hurts in the holiday time. I mean, come on. That, you, you, they'd have six weeks or so to replenish the Cadbury uh, supply there. There would be a uh, an astronomical price hike, I would think. So, I, I'm trying to picture the guy surrounded by his mountain of foil stuff. <laughs> was he, was he going to binge on these all himself? Do we know? We don't have any idea, huh? <laughs> I don't know. Maybe <laughs> makes me say if he were there's like the, yeah, the scene in Scarface where Al Pacino's got the mountain of cocaine in front of him. That's that's this guy. He's the Scarface of, of yes. Cadbury cream eggs. Uh, I'm not a fan of uh, the Cadbury cream. Am, am I am I alone in that? I, I just no, not a fan. Don't want them. I wouldn't uh, want. I'll them. pass. I'll pass. Mm. I mean, you can do better. Give me like the Reese's peanut butter egg. Oh yes, for sure. They're they're the Reese's peanut butter egg is the single best candy bite in the universe, <laughs> I think. And it's better it's better than the Reese's cup. The egg is better yeah. for whatever reason, the egg is freaking better. I don't know how they do it. Wow. There's a hot take from Ross Dellinger right there. There you go. Hot take, hot take, hot hot hot. I can't really disagree with you, though. Yeah, no, that's a, good, that's a good take. That's a good take. Way better than a Cadbury cream egg. I, the Brits are yeah. crazy, though. They, they eat weird stuff over there. Oh. They eat weird stuff. And apparently <laughs> there's 200,000 oh, no. Cadbury cream eggs. It, 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 it's a little reminds me of this uh, story on Aaron Hernandez when I was covering the Aaron Hernandez. He was in, he was in the Bristol County Jail in Massachusetts, and uh, he had gotten into some disciplinary situation uh, as Aaron Hernandez is uh, wont to do, and was uh, denied his commissary privileges. Mm -hmm. But then by accident, uh, supposedly, or else he paid the guy, I have no idea. But whatever happened, er, er, by accident, I guess it was, uh, he was uh, delivered someone else's commissary, like from the little thing. 
Mm-hmm. You got the delivery of someone else. They they put it. They send it to his uh, his cell instead of the other guys. So uh, it was uh, a box with two dozen honey buns in it. Oh God! Right. Well, so Hernandez knew they were gonna get down the like down the line there, and the guy be like, "Where's my honey buns?" <laughs> and so they were gonna come back looking for his honey buns. And so Hernandez only had a few minutes with it, so he immediately started plowing through the box of honey buns. This <laughs> is all in like a disciplinary report that I actually like got from a Freedom of Information Act and reviewed. Oh, God. And they described him sitting on his cell bunk, just p- ripping these things open. And he ate 20 consecutive oh my honey God. buns before they got no. back down there. And they only saved four honey buns. <laughs> saved. Wow. He ate 20 honey buns oh right in a row. God. Oh, my goodness. I'm How many calories is in a single honey it. bun? I mean, yeah. it's got to be like, I don't know. It's gotta be like 300 <laughs> or something. Man yeah, versus wow. food. Sugar coma. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it was man versus food, Bristol County House of Corrections. And when we filmed the Hernandez documentary for Netflix, we actually had an actor that looked just like Aaron Hernandez. And uh, we filmed a scene of him eating the honey buns. It never made the final, mm. never made the final cut, but there was, there was a scene filmed of Aaron Hernandez. <laughs> How you many did the guy that. eat for the, for the uh, Not that many. We didn't make him eat. He didn't, as, as I understand, he would not eat all 20 or anything. Well, but I would hope a, not. Yeah, 20. So maybe this guy was like, they're closing in on me. I'm just going to start <laughs> plowing through my 200,000 Cadbury cream eggs. I was going to sell them. <laughs> yeah. Just start eating. Wow. Yeah. All right, one final story here before we go. This one's classic. We all travel, travel a lot for this job. This one's for the New York Post. Uh, A guy named Kingsley Burnett, 62. Uh, He lives in New York now. He is uh, originally from Jamaica. And he decided he was going to book a flight to Sydney, Australia, and go visit Sydney, Australia. But apparently... He got a little confused on his uh, website when he was booking the flight, and he wound up booking a flight to Sydney, Montana. (laughs) Okay. Population only a half a world away. Yeah. Yeah. So he didn't. He didn't realize it though. He flew on his first connector to Billings, Montana. He got to Billings, Montana, and he was a little concerned. (laughs) <laughs> a little well, a little seem to be real up. this didn't seem like a you know lax maybe something like that right <laughs> like san francisco i don't know where you you know he ends up in billings montana he said uh but he wasn't sure and uh he said then he walked he went to the flight and he said i saw a little plane with like nine passengers <laughs> yeah. and i wondered <laughs> How is that going to get me to Australia? (laughs) (laughs) Quote. It'd be like an 18-hour flight on that little thing. They'd have to stop six times for gas. It's like 24. Yeah. (laughs) Get a couple hundred miles out in the Pacific and it's crashed. Yes, they'd have to. God. Uh, because, that, quote, that was when I caught on to the mistake I made. And then, then right ball, Kingsley. I have to, I have to uh, fess up. I, um, I once, and this happened just like a year ago. 
I didn't pull the trigger on it. I didn't book it. But I was booking a flight for SEC Media Days to Birmingham, Alabama. Well, I had put in Birmingham, England, and uh, was in the process of booking the flight when I thought, hmm, looks a little long. Looks a little long. Eight-hour direct. So, yeah. So, thankfully, I didn't didn't push push, uh, (coughs) pay. You know, <laughs> well, it's kind of yeah. what happened to old uh, Kingsley here. He said he, he got confused by the airport names, right? The acronyms. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So SYD is Sydney, Australia, and SDY <laughs> is Sydney, M- Montana. He says somebody has to fix that. <laughs> Or also, you just have to be also, less dumb. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The, the, see, I looked at the travel time and maybe even the price, and I was like, oh, this doesn't make sense. His travel time to Australia from Jamaica, right, would have been like <laughs> 20, 25 now. hours. And Sydney. his travel time to to Billings or wherever. Sydney, Sydney Montana. Montana could have had a, probably less than 10 hours. Which, where did he think Australia was? I don't. I think there was some real issues here uh, with some awareness situations. I can't totally forgive him. <laughs> his problem was he was surprised at he was he's frugal in his vacation planning, and he didn't. He got excited that he could fly to Sydney, Australia, for like three bucks. At such a bucks. quote bargain. Yeah. yeah, that's why he booked it. I thought it was a good deal. Burnett told the Post. <laughs> I, I saw SDY, and the SDY was cheaper than the SYD. <laughs> Amazing. Amazing. Only 285 bucks. What's up? Uh, Wait, this guy, to- is this guy, he was flying from Jamaica. Now, you know what no, they like no, to party. No, no, he's flying from New York. Uh, flying from, from New York, New somewhere York. near. He's from oh, Jamaica, but he lives in New York City Jamaica. now. Ah, 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 ah. And so he uh, thought he was on the American Airlines uh, website. He saw this deal for Sydney and uh, <laughs> just got the wrong Sydney. They said uh, the, the posted bang up job on this. Who's let me see who the reporter is. Ben Cost. Ben Cost. Good work. Uh, New York Post. <laughs> they called and found the agent in Billings that uh, that. <laughs> That Kingsley realized he wasn't going to fly a nine a good nine person plane all the way to Sydney, Australia. Kingsley came and he goes, "I've got a problem," said Carol Castanello. <laughs> uh, oh yeah, you do. Yeah, you do. And yet, so they uh, they put him up in a, a hotel, but the hotel manager, according to the Post. Her name is Shelly Mann. Shelly Mann said, this is the second time we've had a guest that was trying to get to Sydney, Australia. This Come is the wow. second time this has actually happened. Oh, my goodness. Just, I, I just wow. can't. I don't know. Mon- Maybe because we travel enough. But I would think the first warning sign would be when the first plane's going to Montana. You're not getting to Australia from Montana. Period. I mean, Billings is not a big thing. Uh, no. This is a this whole story's got a bunch of this stuff. Uh, he loves Carol, the flight attendant, or the the gate agent. Montana didn't have kangaroos. It had Carol, and that was good enough for me. <laughs> oh my. That Kingsley sounds like a made-up quote. Trying to make a play the, for Carol. The Post is making up quotes. Well, and then oh. there's this one here. 2017, 18-year-old Mylon Shipper of Holland flew to Sydney, Nova Scotia instead of mm-hmm. Sydney, Australia. 
And a Tennessee family was flabbergasted in December when an airline mistakenly sent their Nashville dog to Saudi Arabia. <laughs> God. The dog there? Wow. Instead of Nashville. Uh, is there a Nashville Saudi Arabia? Solo? The family was moving from London to Tennessee and discovered the shocking snafu when they arrived at Nashville International Airport and given the wrong dog. <laughs> given the wrong dog. Wow. What a That's sentence a bad in the story. At the, uh, yeah, at the deep landing or at the luggage rack or whatever. They went Here's to the your air- dog. The airline then uh, worked on it. They sent a picture of their beloved blue ball locked in her crate uh, in Saudi Arabia. Holy moly. So Blue Ball had to fly back. All oh, this happened. It reminds of- me. It reminds me of the Seinfeld is- episode where um, they are Elaine and Jerry are flying back to New York, I believe, from somewhere, and they're debating whether what to tip a bag man, not a bag man, luggage. You know, the luggage yeah. uh, person at the at the gate when they give you your luggage, and you know they're going back and forth five dollars, ten dollars, fifteen dollars, and. Uh, Elaine asks the guy, luggage guy, she's handing over her luggage, which is supposed to be going to New York. And the guy says, I get $10 a bag. And she said, yeah, yeah, right. That, you know, you're trying to screw us over. We're not giving you $10. And and he throws Jerry's luggage to the New York pile where it's supposed to go. And he takes Elaine's luggage and he said, Honolulu and ships it off to Honolulu. (laughs) (laughs) So maybe that's what they did with a dog. Who knows? Maybe it was an angry luggage person. One more reason not to travel with your dog. Yeah. Well, or and uh, also don't check your luggage when you don't have to. I try not to check my luggage at all. Yeah. But, be right. careful out there with your bookings, man. You don't want to be yeah. Kingsley. I mean, uh, Montana's cool, so it's not like it no, got that bad. Yeah, you got to. Birmingham, England would have been cool. How about I would have landed, flown across the Pacific? Or Atlantic and landed in Birmingham, England, and, and said, "Well, where's so where's the SEC Media Days located here?" Yeah, that would have gone over well. <laughs> Bloody mate, uh, where's yeah. Coach yeah. Saban? Yeah, Paul Rothad. All right, all right, we got to end this show. This end is the pod. Ridiculous. End the pod. All yeah. right, talk to you guys next week. More will happen, I'm sure. More um, aliens. Be careful on your bookings. We're gonna get to the alien situation. I'm getting there. I'm getting there. It's inevitable. Talk to you all later.